0: Hello, hello. This is Yuri with Moving Sales Professional for another episode of our podcast. Let's talk moving. And with me today, I have Laura McKinnis, CEO of Ferguson Moving and Storage, out of Vancouver, Canada. How are you? Good, Yuri. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's 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 How really are you do nice. good, good, good. So we've seen each other off and on for you know several events, several virtuals. You know, assuming I wasn't kicking, getting kicked out of one. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it's, it's a pleasure. It's a good thing to see you. Hopefully I get to see you in October next time. Absolutely. I'm planning to be around. Uh, but uh, getting to you and your business, so what has got you interested in the moving industry? How did you get started? Lord? You've been doing it for a long time.
1: Oh, dude, when I was uh, 19, I got a job as a mover because I went uh, up near Alaska and didn't have any gas money to get home. And my mom had thought it was a bad idea for me to go. So I didn't feel I could ask her. So I got a job as a mover and I thought I would just get a paycheck and then take off. Um, But to get the job, the owner said, uh, I had somebody else come in to apply that could only stay six months. Uh, I need you to stay at least a year. And I said, okay, not thinking that I would actually follow through on it, but I did and Stuck with it and really started to like the people that I was meeting. I was 19 and, uh, back in back home in Vancouver, I was starting to hang around with like the wrong type of crowd getting into trouble. So I saw it as a chance to kind of start over, uh, and stay up there for a while and ran it for, uh, I was there for about a year and a half. Um, and then, uh, started my own business, uh, when I was 20, uh, doing deliveries and things like that for myself.
0: How long have you been at it so far? I mean, uh, Ferguson uh, moving in storage, right? Uh, hundred year company. Out of yeah, that Yeah, so
1: I moved You're not a hundred. I, no, no, I love Botox. Okay. <laughs> I moved back down to Vancouver in what, 2001 and got involved with uh, Ferguson. Again, just started as a mover and then... Uh, Two weeks later, I was the sales manager and the operations manager. Three years later, I bought half the company. And then uh, five years after that, I bought the balance of the company in 2010. Okay. What led you to do that? Um, Well, I've just always been self-employed. And so when I very first started at Ferguson, uh, I let the owner know hey I really appreciate all the hours and everything that you're giving me but I'm kind of in transition right now because um I want to be self-employed that's what I'm most comfortable with and but I seen that he was doing everything himself so he was doing all this it was a a very small company like it was just three trucks um and the inmates were running the asylum so to speak right so he was he was doing all the sales, all the marketing, all the hiring, all the storage billing, all the firing, um, any of the the marketing and the operations, it was just like a lot. So he kind of wanted to contain the company and keep it small, manageable. Right. And, um, but I could see a lot of the problems, like operationally, uh, it could be like a cold raining day and the movers were hanging blankets up in the back of the truck to dry. Like they're not gonna dry. Mm -hmm. Uh, Boxes of donuts behind the seats of the cab, that had been there for like two months (laughs) there's cigarette butts in the cabs you know guys were smoking in the back of the trucks nobody was in uniforms it it, it was just the kind of place where when a good mover would come in they Mm -hmm. would turn around and walk out right Right. and so it wasn't able to attract but it had some long-standing employees like one one guy was there for 19 years another guy was there for 10 years and so you kind of I'm just trying to paint this picture of like coming into this company where
0: it works, but it's not growing. And now for a quick message from our sponsors. For a limited time only, we have partnered with an SEO and marketing company with discounted rates for their services. Schedule an appointment via the link below to learn more. Thank you. And now getting back to the podcast. And it's right held together with the you know, duct tape and what have you, a couple of screws. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So that's what I kind of came into. And so um, I asked him if he needed a hand with sales. And he said, yes, because mm-hmm. i had done like thousands of estimates before. Mm-hmm. And I know how to sell. And um, I, I said, okay, that sounds good. But I think you also need a hand with operations because of all these other problems that I shared with you. And he said, sure. So now I was the sales manager and the operations manager. And up until that point, I got along with everybody. I liked all the movers. They all liked me. But as soon as that happened, everybody hated me. Yeah. Okay. Because I started bringing in changes. started bringing in changes. Okay, no more smoking in the trucks. Uh, no more smoking right. in the back of the truck with the customer's furniture. Things that you shouldn't think are going to be right. Um, a hard thing turned out to be a very hard thing um, to do the transition.
0: Yeah, it's, it's hard. I, I find that, uh, like I was talking to a couple of gentlemen that came into my office earlier today about uh, they're in the Amazon delivery business and uh, they're thinking about potentially going into, into the moving industry. And I outlined those things exactly. And I said, look, you guys, want, before you start anything, before you hire any people or transition any people that you work with currently into moving, you want to make sure that you put all the policies in place that people need to understand that, yeah, it may take an hour to get to the job and an hour to get back from the job. But if you charge the customer the two hours, you're not going to get the job. Mm-hmm. So it's like uh, the, 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 you have to put things in place. You have to put things in place in terms of knowing you know your inventory. You have to have the same amount of back in supplies in every single truck so you always know what should be there at the beginning of the day And then you can just look at the jobs and say, okay, this is what I should have left. Where are 20 boxes? That way, you know that if your foreman are giving away packing supplies because they want to get better tips. At the end of the day, it's your money that they're giving away.
1: Well, somebody needs to take leadership and know where we're going. Right. And and what success looks like for maybe like this year or next year. And you have to be able to communicate that to everybody so that everyone's on the same page. Everyone's rowing in the same direction. So if for me, for example, if I was going from uh, three trucks to five trucks, I got to, I got to explain what that means, what that looks like, how we're going to grow. What does that mean in terms of like sales, marketing operations, human resources, accounting, like how does everything get affected Mm -hmm. by me just saying, we want to go from three trucks to five trucks or from, three trucks to 10 trucks, because every one of those areas is going to be impacted.
0: And now for a quick message from our sponsors. If you're a moving business owner, you may have already heard of Moversville, an email marketing service that helps moving companies increase repeat and referral business. But have you heard of Moversville Connect? Moversville Connect is an incredible resource for all things moving. They feature an array of vendors and services that cater specifically to the moving industry. You can find companies that provide moving software, moving sales services, marketing services, moving equipment providers, and much, much more visit moversville.com to learn more right because you can't just say oh, I, I want this to happen because there's other things right there's other things you have to that means if you're going to go increase the amount of trucks that means you're going to have increase you need to get more supplies you need to spend more money on fuel you need to have more more movers because they're going to have to ride those trucks all, all those all those additional things are going to be affected 100 like any yeah. kind of growth any kind of scaling you're like you have to look at things is it for that matter you also got to ask yourself is it worth to scale at this at any given point of time? Or is it better to perfect the current processes I have in place versus uh, what what is it gonna do to my operation when I have to make these big changes? And that's
1: that's kind of the thing that somebody has to be making the decisions. You know, yeah. you can have as much collaboration and input as possible, but at the at the end, somebody needs to say, this is the direction that we're going. Right, and the
0: decisions are not always popular.
1: And they're not always popular but you have to um you have to check in with your people too like is this something that you want to do like do you want to be a part of a company that's growing or do you want to be a comp- part of a company that's stagnant small staying the same likely going backwards and will be outpaced by competition that's going to come in because the world is a fast moving place and there's a lot of fantastic ideas even from brand new companies right and so if you are not always trying to improve your company I don't care how long like what we're 107 years old is Mm -hmm. our business Um, but we're constantly trying to innovate change be cutting edge as much as possible Uh, like for example when COVID very first happened uh, we made a COVID like response video within a week Mm -hmm. and posted that on our website so that people could see all the different protocol changes that we were making for whether it's cleaning or leaving the doors and windows open in the house Mm. having only like one customer home during the thing and how our movers would wear masks and even at the beginning we would even wear gloves because COVID was so new we didn't even know if right where you know what you're touching is causing a problem so we were just on it and I think um being responsive is, is is super important
0: yeah, I mean, people need to, basically, if they're dealing with some sort of things in their life, uncertainty, like COVID situation, right? They want to, if they're going to have somebody do something for them, they want to see that they connect and that they understand it they're, and that they're doing something about it. And even something that minimal you'd think i mean how long does it take to make a video about your processes it really does, like if you're not unless you invite like a professional videographer it really does not take much and these days you know you can you can do it with your cell phone it really doesn't take much to do at all but you're making that connection i was actually just talking to the guys that i had in my in my office i was just talking about new things i said look you know doing something like saying hey a hundred dollars of every move that we do for you is going to go to charity of your choice. And uh, to go even farther, we'll match that hundred dollars. So $200. So when you choose us, $200 is going to go to charity. I mean, reality is this, you know, you can inflate your price by that same $200, you know what I mean? But people that are watching your stuff and are going and and you, you know, you promote it, you put it on Facebook, you put it on your linkedin you put it on your web page you know and people go wow these these guys care about the environment or these guys care about uh social issues or whatever the case you know you you just differentiated yourself from a bunch of companies that are in the same market as you they're not doing anything like that
1: but the point is is that you're trying it and you're testing yeah. it and you're seeing if it's working or not right like right. you could run through that whole program that you just described and then find out that people really would prefer just to have a discount right and not 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 spend any money on charity like you could well the market is really good at telling you what it doesn't like and what it does like but you need to be tracking things you need to be paying attention or else you could just be doing things just you know you could be doing things like at the end of every move let's give a customer a bottle of wine Mm -hmm. well if you don't test it you might find out like Everybody hates but the wine. That. There's a bunch of people that are alcoholics that are really upset that you tempted them by giving them wine. Right. And, you know, there's all kinds of things. But you need to, you know, you're you're and any company, no matter what your product, no matter what the widget is of what you're selling. Right. You have to be paying attention. You have to be having somebody with the vision of where we're going, how we're going to get there, and what success looks like and what success doesn't look like equally because I think a lot of companies are really good at as they're getting busier adding people adding things to their business Mm -hmm. but when things start to slow down people are not as good at removing things and knowing what how to take things apart and how to shut things down
0: right I agree with that that's definitely something especially uh you have to look at what things are worth to you I talk to clients all the time about my price, for example, right. For price for my service. And a lot of people go, Oh, that is so expensive sometimes, you know, not, not always, but you know, I do get those clients now and then to talk about that. And I say, well, think about how much is your time worth to you? You know, with us, we got salespeople that are ready to jump on the phone for you. Right. Uh, if you went and tried to hire salespeople, you're going to spend money on Indeed, on Monster, all these websites trying to find those reps that you're looking for. You're going to spend countless hours looking at resumes. You're going to spend time on interviews. You're going to spend time on training at the end, only to find out potentially that the person you just spent two weeks on is going to say, eh, it's not for me. You know? So, how much is all that worth to you in your time, in your hours, in your things? And it's the same thing when you're talking about different creative things that you're trying to do to your business you're right when you when you track that stuff you also i mean you find some new things because in the in the the process of tracking these things you may find something unexpected that works that you never in the million years thought it would or you find something that's that's going to actually take you to another level that you know if you didn't do any of that stuff you wouldn't have found and who knows your, your company could have stayed stagnant you know
1: I think the I think the, the thing is don't fall in love with your own ideas. Like you mm-hmm. need to always be objectively looking at it, and just be ready to
0: trash something like that's not working. Kill it. Yeah, right. yeah we we had to do that recently. So it's like it's it's kind of the same thing. You yeah, you hear a certain gentlemen. Um, have you heard about the book "Burn the Boats"? Uh, no, but I know the concept of right, right. So the, you have somebody no, no retreat. Right. Do you have somebody that recently came out with that? I I'm thinking of his name, but it's oh Matt Higgins. That's it, Matt Higgins. So the yeah, so that's the concept. Is that sometimes you got to burn the boats in order to move forward. Mm-hmm. So that's that's definitely something that I think everybody, whether you're doing what I'm doing or whether you do you're specifically a moving company owner, you need to be ready to make changes, move forward without like like you were saying don't fall in love too much with your ideas i think i, I i'm guilty of that i would say to a degree so that's 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 i'm i'm, I'm actually loving this conversation too because you're bringing a lot of points that's making me say okay we're done We're a moment we're done we're recording this i need to have a big meeting <laughs> so it's like it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's awesome you're, you're bringing a lot of really oh, cool i have stuff. um
1: i have i, I also am um, part owner of different companies but one of them's landscaping business and uh we had this idea like Let's put Calendly link on so that customers, when they come to our website, they can book their own appointment for mm-hmm. a landscaping technician to go over and take a look at their property and give them a quote. Mm-hmm. And it just destroyed all our leads. Like, And we left it on for three weeks just to test it and mm-hmm. no leads were coming through. And And then we turned it back on to just filling out your quote request, like a standard thing, and then the leads all came back, right? And so what we ended up discovering is by putting up a calendly, calendly link we thought was like a really convenient service mm-hmm. but from the customer's perspective now they've got to kind of look at their own calendar look at our calendar and try and find something that matches and we had like a lot of availability we purposely left it open for availability but it turned out that what you're doing is you're asking your customers to do a task you're burdening your customers with a task of looking at this looking at that and and they don't they don't want that so uh, you know, we we ended up just having to kill that idea, and and so I think it's just really important that you don't you don't fall in love with your own your own your own idea because it's like fishing, right? Like I don't want to eat worms, but the fish do. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not going to put a carrot, you know, I'm not going to put a carrot cake on the fish hook, even though that's what I'd like to eat. Right. You know, or a piece of chocolate cake or whatever. The fish aren't going to eat it, so you, you you always have to be objective to what the market is telling you.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something that we're seeing right happening right now so much because like it's we were we had the pre-COVID, then we had COVID, where suddenly we had this really really crazy fall and winter where things were just mm-hmm. awesome, and we all wish it would. it continued that way. But now we're back to regular seasonal moving where things slow down fall and winter time and they pick up again and you know basically right around this time or a little bit earlier and then at the same t- at the same time uh we have the housing market crash situation that's happening right now with the interest rates and everything else so that means less people are moving at least for the time being and then on top of that you have more people that are trying to book less business that's available so as a result we got more competition so we definitely have to come up with a lot of very very creative things that are going to separate us from other companies so it's and that's that's what we're all facing right now so it's uh whether it's us doing the sales or it's the moving companies that want us to do the sales or not whichever the case may be we're dealing with that situation and it's you definitely need to adjust
1: well, we're, we're, we go through constant cycles, like I've seen a bunch of them. COVID, when that first happened, I thought lockdown meant nobody was going to be moving. And really what it meant is that people stayed home more and realized they hated their house. Right. Right. And so then they moved. And so it just created this big frenzy. And then I think remote working really took off because uh, companies kind of forced everyone to work from wherever they had to. And so you saw a lot of people like relocating we had a ton of jobs where they went maybe 500 miles outside of the major city right um and 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 but now i think that things are falling back more into a normal cycle of being busy in the spring slow in the winter um i can see that kind of happening and a lot of people that are newer to the industry that joined in maybe in the last Two or three years they see something like less leads coming in now as a problem rather than identifying the last two or three years were anomaly right and then i really question too like when your phones are ringing off the hook and you got more customers that you can handle did you really do a good job on those calls did you really service all that business as best as you could of I mean, I don't think most of us did because there was just such a high volume. It just turned into a numbers game, right? Right. And um, everyone did quite well. So what that says to me is now, if the leads that are coming in are less, are you really maximizing the opportunities or are you still treating them the same way you did when you were flooded with too many leads? And so I think there's a real opportunity to, I I agree
0: I agree you need to treat the how are you you handling them right you need to treat every client um I mean ultimately you need to treat them all the same but you want to treat them all at the high level where during COVID where you're basically shooting fish in a barrel right it's it it was much easier oh you don't like my price okay no problem well that's my price and then the next person says okay I'll do it you know it's like it was it was very easy it's also comparable like when I got in the in the moving industry was 2003 and it was basically same shooting fish in a barrel type of thing. My, for, my, my first sales job for a moving company, uh, I got I made eight dollars an hour. Uh, I got paid 10 bucks for 10 to 15 bucks, I don't remember right now, for every job that I booked. But I was in Los Angeles at the time. So there was a lot of moving, huge city, good time to be in the moving industry. And mm-hmm. uh, I was booking anywhere from 10 to 20 jobs every single day. I got fired because I made too much money. <laughs> you know, so it was uh yeah, so it's the same it's the same kind of thing, but now we're with with it being uh a lot slower, even as far as May goes, this starting right now uh, is definitely slower, so we're definitely need to focus on every single customer. we need to spend more time on following up. We need to spend more time on you know on describing what it is that we're gonna do for them drawing the picture painting the picture creating the whole mood of the conversation where you know where we got to do something that's going to be different from that next company that's going to call
1: them exactly yeah so you know it's it's, um people really demand the responsiveness of getting something done professionally and quickly you know I think there was a statistic a long time ago where if somebody filled out a response form on your website, they expected a response within three or four hours. And
0: mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's dropped down to like 20 minutes. Yeah, that's probably about right. That's kind of the same thing with Yelp. Like if you're a big Yelp person, that's they want a response almost immediately. So, And Yelp is in such a way that you literally have to have some, in, for, for a moving company, you have to have somebody that's Watching it nonstop, the whole not walking away from their computer or their phone or however else they're getting uh, the Yelp leads, uh, that they're not walking away and they're hitting it immediately the moment that thing pops up. But you know, life happens. You may be doing inventory when it pops up. If it's a big job, it may you may be spending 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes handling that inventory, depending how fast you are and how big the inventory is, right? And by that point, that person doesn't want to hear from you anymore or they already got hit up by somebody else. You know, yes. so it's like, it's, it's hard to make those adjustments sometimes.
1: Yes, yeah. And I think that, you know, customers of today are very well educated. They know what to ask. Even if they've never hired movers before, um, it's just a couple clicks where they can know all the questions that they need to ask the mover. They need to know what they can expect. So, you, you know, once by the time somebody phones you, probably a, a huge percentage of them they've already researched you before they've called you. Like you, you don't have to make like this big introduction anymore as to like who you are and. What your company name is and where you're located, like all that kind of stuff, you're getting really quickly into. What can I? How can I help you?
0: Right, and you know, uh, like I have, I have a bunch of salespeople, obviously, and I always, I was always a big uh supporter of everybody having their own style, right? But my style, for example, have always been, I get to the point very quickly, and if I do any schmoozing, it happens in the end before. I asked the, I asked the main question, whether you want to book with me today or not, you know, basically, but, uh, you know, so I always found it that way. And I mean, I'm to the point where I can do a 17,000 pound inventory in 15 minutes, you know, uh, like I'm bang, 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 bang. I'm going through all those rooms and getting everything. And it's like very, very thorough at the same time. It's quick, but it's thorough. And it's, and part of it is because a lot of these people, some, well, some of them are, may not be ready to do that whole inventory, but you almost catch them off guard and you try to get as much information as you can as quickly as possible before before they change their mind, right? So, and then at that point, they've been on the phone with you for 15 minutes. So the chance that uh, that they're going to go somewhere else and try to go through that whole thing again is not going to be as likely. So if you if you got the right answers in terms of pricing and company and what have you, you know, you, you got a good thing going.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's your thing because you're you're always on the phone, right? You're not doing in person
0: on sites. Uh that depends. Uh for the companies that we are local to that are here in Maryland, DC, yeah. We we okay. like my salespeople go out and do an at home estimate, sure. I've gone okay. and done an at home estimate, why not? I mean, heck, I mean, if I go out and do an at home estimate or virtual, ninety percent I'm gonna book it. You know right. I'm, I'm I know what I'm talking about, so it makes it very, very easy. so for me, you know, like the percentage is definitely high um uh,
1: but that, that, that's kind of the thing though you you said it there, like you know you know what you're talking about, and that comes across because people want to deal with the subject matter expert, yeah, no matter what they're buying right, right? and so for you to come in and be uh confident in everything that you're doing and come across as the expert. That checks so many boxes right away for customers ahead of like what is the price.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's like at the end of the day, you have people who are price conscious, but you have other people that while they may be price conscious to a degree, they want to they want to be handled and taken care of by a professional. They don't want to get a feeling from, from you like you're not you don't know what you're talking about. For somebody that knows what they're talking about, they're willing to pay more. Yeah. Question is always how much more, but you know, they are it's uh it's about presenting that front that's that's something that we're very strongly focused on here so yeah
1: and going forward into the near future um you know I see a lot of interesting things happening uh you know a lot of a lot of companies that grew really big during COVID and they don't know how to unscale if they needed right, to, right? so their, their 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 costs their overhead is staying the same but then the lead volume is less and they're not reacting fast enough, kind of like the frog in the pot, right? Of water, uh, then, and um, you know, so they're going to suffer. So that's going to create probably some companies, unfortunately, like closing and going up for sale. Right. The um, the, the the other thing is trucks are hard to get, uh, even now. And they're
0: and they're more expensive now too.
1: They're more expensive now. I yeah. ordered trucks fourteen months ago that are just coming in now. Right and um so it's going to be this interesting future that i have a hard time kind of seeing through all the fog but some of the things where if some somebody now sees they want to get into this industry it's not going to be as low barrier of an entry as it used to be with inexpensive easy to get trucks
0: right so, now you have and then, and then at the same time rental it, it, so it, was, it so it was, it was it was interesting i had Uh, one of my reps quoting a job, uh, that was a long distance job. And then the person was like, oh, you know, I can rent a truck for more than that. And he told me about this and I look at, and I, and I saw the email too. And I'm, and I look and I'm like, well, let me teach you something. I'm trying to teach my sales rep something. Right. So I'm like, okay, well, why don't we do this? Let's, let's go on budget.com. And let's see how much a truck rental is going to cost from this place in california to i think i think they were going from cali to florida right so uh quite a bit of mileage there so i look it up and it's like just the truck rental by itself was uh six thousand some change right um then you had you, you do the fuel calculator so you put like i don't know 10 15 miles per gallon so you calculate how much that's going to cost that's another 500 600 bucks right then uh, you calculate, okay, well, now you're going to also need labor, load the truck, unload the truck. So this is how much it's going to cost you if you did it yourself. And that doesn't, you're going to have to drive all the way across the country. So that doesn't include your hotels. That doesn't include your food. That doesn't include all that stuff. So at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, you, it's going to cost you probably $1,000 more to do this yourself than it would to get a mover. Or it's going to be pretty close, but more convenient, right? Well, also, if something goes wrong, then everybody points the finger at everybody else, right? right? Yeah, you so have some, concerned. you have somebody to blame for something. If you're driving a truck and you run into a ditch, it's your fault.
1: Yeah, you there's of, not much. You, right. you get
0: accountability more when you're hiring a company, but
1: you know, even now, like if somebody says, "Oh, I want to get into into this industry and I want to rent trucks," those are still not hard. Those are not easy to get. Because right. Amazon drivers, they're short trucks, too like you think of everybody mm-hmm. that's short right. trucks, right they're all renting these local trucks, and the, price so the inventory the, the, the price even for local rentals has skyrocketed, right mm-hmm. so uh, it makes it harder to even and make, their
0: inventory is shot because it's being constantly depleted, yeah, so especially if those trucks are going across you know across country or they're actually settling in another location, they're not going to send that truck back. Yeah, You know, they're going to have to figure out some sort of a deal with that location, especially if it's going all the way across the country. You know, it's more than likely that truck is not coming back unless it just happens that there's somebody that wants to rent and go the opposite direction. You know, that's the um, only way.
1: You know, I again, I just see this as being like a cyclical industry. We're going through another strange cycle, but I kind of take comfort thinking like, well, this company, Ferguson, it's it, it's been around 107 years, so... It's been through world war one it's been through the great depression it's been through world war 2 it's been through 2008 like it's been through all these things but you know i mean as little effort as maybe people before me put into the business that survived
0: so i think ultimately the, the the industry itself because of what it is people are always going to move so it's one of those industries that's going to endure if you do things smartly you know if you do things the way it needs to be it needs to be done if you're not Shooting outside of your means and outside of your possibilities, you know. Like, I mean, yeah, sure, you want to shoot for the moon, of course. But at the same time, you want to, if you take risks, make sure they're calculated. If you take risks, make sure they're that that you're ready to face the consequence of if things don't happen the way that you, that you want it to happen. You know, are you ready to, for the for the downfall, for the other side of it?
1: Well, you got you gotta pick your target audience, right? Like, I think. Right. A lot of companies try and be everything to everybody and when you really think about it, there's no company on earth that says we are everything to everybody. so why would I be able to do that let's say for like a startup budget mm. of just starting a company so you need to kind of pick and I kind of look at the evolution of typical customers just to break it down. Like the very first move you do is leaving your parents' house where you're just grabbing like right. a, a, a bag and throwing all your shit in it and leaving, jumping in your friend's car by mom, by dad. Right. Like that's mm-hmm. probably the easiest and most fun move that you'll ever have is absolutely like, just, just taking off with your friend and getting your own. After that, it sucks. Right. And right. then, so the next time then you're probably just getting your friends to help you throw crap into the back of your car Uh, the next one you're going to maybe rent a truck probably when you're between 25 and 27 years old you're going to rent a truck Uh, then you'll probably do that a couple more times and then when you're in your early 30s you're probably going to say like let's just hire someone to do it for us but you're going to expect that it's going to be maybe only double the price of what a rental truck was by hiring all price focused right and and so you need to uh, and then you know further ahead like where we kind of focus our services in that, that market that's been through all that before. Mm-hmm. And now they're like maybe 38 years old and older where uh, they care about their furniture. They care about their property. They, um, they care about their time.
0: And they don't want to kill themselves in the process. And they, they got bad backs <laughs> and all that kind right. of stuff.
1: So, but no matter what company or no matter which target audience you're going after, you need to steer everything towards that. There's a lot of money to be made from that group that rents trucks. There's a lot of money to be made from that group that's hiring movers for the very first time, but you need to know things like if, if I'm going to go for that bottom dollar, I need to structure things in a way like, okay, no insurance whatsoever. If anything Mm -hmm. breaks, that's part of like why we can offer you a low price because there's absolutely no insurance. If something goes, even if you see us do something, there's no insurance. Right. Right. So like you could call yourself noinsurancemoving.com and right. just like cheap 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 and you'll get customers. And right, as, as you start saying things like oh boy that that company that is uh more established and, and and they're they're offering like this guarantee on damages why don't we offer that? That's when people start getting right into the suicide position because uh, they want to be cheap but then they get an invoice that uh, we 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 damaged a dresser and then we're gonna have to spend fifteen
0: hundred bucks on it, right? And then they yeah, pay. and it's a, it, it's also a different type of from a sales side. That's also a different type of sales now because in one case you're saying, uh, yeah, we're well, we're a new company. Our prices are lower because we're a new company, right? You never want to use the word cheap, right? We're the, we're the less expensive because you know we're a new company. On the flip side, you got the other side of things, the what you're talking about, right? Uh, where you want to say, we know that we're not the cheapest, we know that we're not the least expensive. But for that price that you pay to do to choose us, to have us do things, we're gonna really take care of you. Yeah. We're going to really be careful of your stuff. If but something if, damaged, God forbid, we got insurance.
1: But you if know. I was going, if I was going after that other market. Right. I would definitely use the word cheap because that's what's going to resonate with them, yes. right? We're cheap, cheap, cheap. If money. you if
0: that's what you're going for. Yeah. But then yeah, but the you, problem you is.
1: Have, you have to make sure that you're set up for dealing with that market segment and covering your ass as best as you can.
0: Right. Because reality is this, and it's the funniest thing I've, I've seen it and I've dealt with it personally myself many, many times. You're going to have more customers that are going to argue with you and Take your time and your blood and your nerves uh, for 20 bucks, then for a couple of thousand. Yeah. You know, uh, there's, I've been in many times with a long distance move, right? Where I originally, let's say, quoted somebody based on 7,000 pounds, for example, right? And then the move ends up being 14,000 pounds because there was stuff that they did not tell us about, right? And then you're like, you're all prepping to call them, right? So You got you're looking at your in the original inventory that you did, and you're taking the bill of lading with the actual one from the move, and you're calling. You're like, thinking, okay, this is gonna happen. They're going to rip my head off, right? You're calling them, and you're like, okay. So your inventory originally had 30 items on it. Your actual has 500 items on it. This is why the price increase. And then you're and you're you're expecting a blow up, and you're here. Hey, I knew that. And you're like. Ugh. You know, you're like you just realize the guy's like, "Oh yeah, no problem." Here we go. Here's my card. Yeah, okay. I'm paying six thousand dollars. That was the original cost of my move. I'm paying another six thousand dollars on the other end. You you know, and it's like no problem, zero. It's like it's 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 almost mind boggling, especially when you face it first couple of times, and then you realize it's the norm.
1: And and the the, the it it really depends too on the type of customer because the type of customer you're just describing, they're more rare and harder to get. And then the cheap, cheap, cheap customers, uh, that are all price focused. Uh, they're easier to come by, but harder to please.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, but I mean, it's also, I guess it has to do with the way that my, you know, moving sales professionals set up in general we only work with licensed companies and we only work with companies that have good ratings and reviews. And by default, those companies stay away from the cheap, cheap, cheap. So as a result, we're not once in a while we get those, but it's very rare. Yeah. So
1: the the model of every type of customer that you're going after will work if you set it up to work. Right. You You just have to really think through all of the possible things that you need to cover yourself with and that, that's, that's just why I'm saying, like, if you are going to be that uh, inexpensive mover, you have to set it up. that You have to say,
0: say use the word fast. cheap because that's what you're going to draw. You say yeah. cheap, cheap is going to come to you. Yeah. And, you know, you
1: and then as well, like, then you're going to want to turn down jobs where it's going to be the customer wants all kinds of things that you can't provide. Like, if you're saying we don't even do floor runners to protect your carpet because we're so cheap. You don't mm-hmm. want to be going into a five million dollar mansion, mm-hmm. with the floor runners, and setting yourself up for a disaster the other way too. Right? Like you, you you need to be able to turn down what doesn't
0: work for you, no matter which one you pick. Right. Absolutely. I'm not. I'm yeah, not sometimes I'm, it's okay. Sometimes it's okay uh, to say, you know, we're not a best fit for you. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay to say that. It's you know, it's not. You're not. It's, Let's put it this way: You're not turning down business per se. You're turning down headache that's not worth the business that you're that you're turning away.
1: And even that that goes down towards the employees that you have in your company as well, because some employees would prefer not to hold themselves to like a higher standard. They just want their job to be a paycheck. Mm. Uh, They're not really too concerned about like the image or anything with the company, and that's totally fine, right? Because Mm -hmm. some people they just maybe they just do want to get some cash so they can travel the world and that's fine. You know, you should be able to pick what you want. And what I say to that is, you know, there's a lot of companies that will welcome you there uh, just to stick around for three or four months and then take off. You know, that's not what we're looking for. Um, Right. uh, You know, we need, we need to filter out who we are looking for as well. I'll, I'll pay a higher wage because, it's going to mean, in the long run, my employee is going to make more money. My company is going to make more, more money because I have less claims, less dissatisfied customers. Absolutely, uh, higher repeat, higher referral. I always try and set up things that everybody wins, right? There, right. There's-
0: well, there's got there's got to be there's got to be that feeling. You know, you want your employees to want to come to work for you every morning. That's yeah. going to make it easier, and you're not going to be faced with constant situations where people don't show up, and you have to. You know, you have to basically just try to make things patch and work somehow. Some days you might be able to get by it. Other days it's going to be a major, major mess, and then you're going to have upset clients, and you're going to have bad reviews, and you're going to have all sorts of things that are going to be worth, you know, a lot that are going to hurt your business, that are obviously going to hurt your dollar, they're going to hurt your customers, they're going to hurt your prospects for scaling and for a lot of other things. So. But yeah i mean we can we can talk about this for this forever forever lauren uh so let let me get you uh, to one thing that i did want to ask you about so obviously uh ferguson you got the franchise uh, situation happening so how is that working out how far are you branched out at this point where do you see that going
1: so yeah uh the, the franchising is a totally separate industry from moving it's got absolutely nothing to do with it and it was a whole new learning curve for me so it's not something that is for the uh just to kind of dip your toes in the water of uh it's very time consuming expensive and it brings in a whole new team of people so I've been doing it for a while now Uh, what my kind of takeaway is if I was to do it all over again um is have your have your one operation running very smoothly right have your, 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 your your main thing, looking at your, your main business as your prototype kitchen, right? out, getting everything working out really well there before you begin to uh, franchise. So that's what we tried to do in the beginning as well. But then um, as we started to sell franchises and scale, then it really becomes like, who are you selling to, right? You don't want to just have anyone with a checkbook come in and buy a franchise. So then there's all kinds of quality control uh things that you have to kind of go through and make sure that that's all in place so right because ultimately
0: it's carrying your name so it's uh whether you're affiliated to it very briefly or on a very small scale once they uh, become a franchise for you right uh or not it's still your name so you don't want your name to lose steam because you picked the wrong pocketbook
1: yeah and and so for us like we we started off with just presenting this to employees uh, at our business saying that we we're going to be franchising to see if any of them would be you know interested and we had a few people interested and we started off um with a contract worker that was with us and he took over eight territories and uh then we had one of our guys that was in our warehouse and he he started one. So we started with those two and they bo- both did actually extremely well And then we started to bring in like other people that had no moving industry experience as like our kind of test to see, can we train somebody that's from outside of this industry? And um, it was mixed reviews on the people that we did that with. So it really meant that we needed to bolster up more of like our training and support for people that were outside of this industry. I also found that Selling franchises is extremely difficult because the first thought people have, why would I buy a franchise? It's just moving. It's just get a truck and move people. Why do I need a franchise for that? Right. And so you need to honestly be able to objectively look at your business and say, yeah, why would they? And start to work towards solving that problem, which is, um, you know, what we've been doing is Uh, selling jobs over the phone for our franchise owners so that when they're when they're paying their fees to us that we're booking moves for them on the smaller jobs, we're setting up all the appointments for them, we're providing ongoing training and support, our marketing budget uh, is huge, so that we're able to deploy uh, marketing for them, we've brought in in house marketing teams that are doing all the marketing we brought in a sales director. with experience that was with like you move me and 1-800-GOT-JUNK to really scale our, our sales process. We brought in a COO uh, that was with Shackshine, which is another O2E brand uh, to really scale out our operations and provide support and ongoing training. We've improved all of our internal communications so that everybody has access to each other. We have weekly uh, weekly Zoom meetings uh, for, for sales uh, that everyone can join in on. So there's just providing like a lot of support. And then the other thing too, that I think people wanna see before they get interested in buying a franchise is how many locations do you have? And so instead of feeling like we need to just only decide between what are we gonna do? Are we gonna go down the franchise path? Or are we gonna go down corporately owned? Let's do both. Right. Right, and so we've started scaling both ways so that As we open more corporate locations, it gives us just more pins in the map and again, helps answer that question. Why would I buy a franchise? Because, well, we've got all these different locations that can uh, support you, right? And so the more people that are in together and everyone's contributing to things like a branding fund, that branding fund turns into a juggernaut and we're able to deploy that branding fund to wherever, whichever city needs it the most
0: right that is cool maybe one day maybe one day I'll I'll grow my brand to be to that point we'll see we need to get to a point yeah
1: it's, it's it's just really again like coming back to that earlier conversation of somebody has to have the vision of where we're going and the way that you get the vision is by being a good listener listening to your employees listening to the market as to what it's telling you and you know, being able to read the tea leaves as best as you can as to where things are going and then making a decision and making sure everyone's on board. And if people aren't on board with it, that's okay. But then you need to find the
0: right people that are going to be on board. On board, Absolutely. Well, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us, Lauren. We're definitely going to have to do this again at some point. So as I always say, the world moves on its own. Let the professional move yours for you. Thank you very much for joining our podcast and I'll, we'll see you soon. And thank you very much, Lauren, for joining us, Lauren McInnes. Thank you. Thank you.